Welcome to Unleash the Potential, where we talk to business leaders, owners, and technologists to find out their mission, their passion, their growth stories and challenges, and what they're doing next. Okay. Hi, I'm Rob Barlow, welcoming you to a new episode of Unleashing the Potential. And I have with me uh, Bernard, who is from the Greenlink. And the reason Bernard is here is because he truly is unleashing the potential, and his story is a great story. And Bernard, um, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about why you started the Greenlink and how you got here. So, well, thanks, first of all, Rob, thank you for having me on, on this. Uh, it's it's in real, an honor for me. Uh, the Greenlink is really about, uh, it started from the simple fact that I was previously the National Innovation Director for Deloitte in Canada for three years. I was also part of the Deloitte Global Innovation Team. And every night I was coming to my wife and four kids and telling them, hey, we've got this great new technology that can help cure cancer. And then more, the day after was, hey, I've got this great new technology that can help you know, take pollution out of the air with graphene. Or, hey, we've got this great technology actually built in British Columbia that can capture CO2 out of the atmosphere for less than $100 a ton. And then out of frustration of three years coming with every night with you know, really interesting stories, they tell me, you know, Dad, the thing is, you talk about those technologies, we don't see them implemented. Why is that so? So we, my wife and I spent two months doing a meta-analysis last year trying to understand why is it that most environmental initiatives are failing? And then we found out that there are seven deadly sins. And the first one was we're trying to reinvent the wheel every single time. We're not looking what are these existing solutions from around the world. So uh, it all went to that plus up, to, up to a point where we're having a family lunch on a Sunday. And Oscar, my third son, was telling us about a, an article he just read that, you know, 1st of Jan 2030 is a tipping point. That from that date onward, it's a low, slow spiral to death for everybody on the planet. And then his youngest brother, Alexander, only 12 years old, looks up to him and tells him, hang on a second, are you telling 2030? Yes. But I'll only be 21. Yes. So you're telling me that I want to, I'm, I don't have a future. Well, exactly, you don't. Okay, so mom and dad, what are you going to do about it? So that's where we say, okay, now it has to be something that we take on fully on board. We're convinced solution exists. We want to reverse engineer success, and we want to find out what would be the most clever way to make sure that those you know, sustainable development solutions are spread out and adopted by each and every single company across the planet. Nice, nice. Now... I guess it's pretty easy for me to figure out what your passion is. Uh, and, um, and I wanted to um, basically ask you, how, do you, how is it going with this you know, pandemic that's, that's started? I know you started the company before it. Um, and uh, what do you, like, where's your take on things with respect to your plans and wh where you're going? So there's a couple of elements in there. The first is, it hasn't disrupted the way we operate because when we design the company, we design an exponential organization company that is virtual by nature. We've got this extensive network 
of scouts around the world that help us scan for technology. We've got our team, we're based in Montreal, Toronto, Paris, and Amsterdam, and every, everybody's virtual. So from our own internal operation, it hasn't changed a thing. What was interesting to see, and we've got a lot of companies we're in, in discussion with, mostly are from Europe. Sadly, there's not enough in Canada that are trying to do that, even though they should, because it's a problem that is at the core of the business strategy of any companies. And our conviction is if you're not working on it as a core strategic issue, you won't be in business by the end of the decade. But these companies have been kind of spending the month of April doing new budget reforecast and, and, and asking themselves, well, what if the 1st of July was the 1st of Jan? How could we make it up until the end of the year? Well, they had this discussion in April, and at the same time, they were coming to us saying, we want to hit the ground running 1st of July. We don't want to waste time trying to guess what the solution should be. We would like to already know what are the solutions for the challenges we want to tackle between July and December. And the reason they're doing so is, and you, you know that, by, by Rob, but may, the systemic pressure that everybody, every company is in. Any company in anywhere around the world has six systemic pressure points that is pushing them to do better on their environmental footprint. And the first is the shareholders. I mean, Larry Fink among them told them, you, we want the company we invest in to be green. Now, the clients also want the products to be green. The thing is, when any company say, I'm creating a product for a client and now I'm pledging to be more you know, environmental friendly, then all of my upstream supply chain is embedded in my pledge, whether they like it or not. So if you're a B2B company, chances are if your, comp your, your client is making a pledge, you're committed. Then the environmental score is also used by financial institution to decide whether or not they'll give you access to money. Regulations are getting more you know, costly if you're not operating the proper way. Your own talents will leave you if you're not sticking true to, uh, to your word of doing better for the environment. So you, you'll lose talents and your board members will put pressure on you because they've got a fiduciary obligation to help you. So basically, if you're a company, you have all sorts of those pressure points to start and do better on what you do. But the funny thing is, if you're like a third of the UK company, because a third of the UK company are currently like this, you don't know where to start. You're still scratching your head on how to tackle it. So the first thing is, you need to understand that it is a strategic business issue. It's not a political issue. It's a strategic business issue. And then what we tell our clients is, you need to think about what are the environmental operational challenges you want to solve? And you need to look at three different lenses. Obviously, you need to look at your core process. So it's easy. If you're a manufacturing company, you look at you know, the manufacturing production line. But you also need to think about your footprint in your industry value chain perspective. So what is your relation with your upstream suppliers and downstream channel distributions and clients? And last but not least, wherever you have physical location, you have a local footprint in your local ecosystem. Now, one of the examples uh, we were discussing with a, a healthcare company that has a, is a, just marketing and sales in Canada. The thing is, last year, their headquarters in Europe embarked about a 2030 net neutral pledge. So obviously, every affiliate had to do better, and they changed deadlines and, and, and car fleets to hybrid. And they say, well, we're done. It's 2019, we've done our share. Well, come 1st of Jan, knocks on the door, the headquarters say, okay, so you done that last year, that's great. What are you gonna do this year? And they go like, but what can we do? Right. We don't have a production plan. So that's why we, we told them, you need to think about the holistic presence in your value chain and your presence in each local ecosystem. And when company starts thinking like this, then it makes really more sense to 
think about operational environmental challenges, and that's where we can step in. Because once we know what the challenge is, then we know what we need to find for, and we can scan for solutions from around the world. Right. So it's like an ongoing program that the Green Link has for yes. large enterprise and government to actually have the environmental sustainable goals as repeatable things. It's not just one-offs. It's something that, you know, and, and I guess what you're saying is these things exist all around the world. Um, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel to be, exactly. to be implementing stuff. You don't have to buy a company and create it or create an R and D, uh, to, to do it. It already exists there. No, and I've got, uh, I've got two stories to tell you if you want to. Yes, for sure. That. So we have the first example is a chocolate bar maker in Quebec. Uh, currently he's losing, um, he's getting his cacao seeds in buckets, plastic buckets. And currently this, this plastic buckets get either put in landfills or burn, which is kind of crazy because you can reuse plastic. But the thing is, they looked in their immediate local ecosystem and they couldn't find a company that could recycle that type of plastic. And they were about to embark about you know, creating a startup, keeping up with a, an, a, an incubator or a, a university starting from scratch. And someone advised them to talk to the Green Link. So we did a three-week scan. Usually our scan takes about three to four weeks. We do a full world scan around the world. And we find a company in Finland that has a technology to do exactly that. Recycle that type of plastic. It's up and running. It's, it's mature. It's a robust, proven technology. And the, the reaction was, well, either you ship me the plastic buckets or I license my technology and you start your own operating plant in Quebec. And therefore, what's the beauty of that is when you think about and you find the not invented here syndrome and you're truly as committed to making the faster time to impact and you're ready to buy or license company which are uh, technology which are not producing in your own country, the beauty of it is you will create new jobs in your own organization. And what's even more interesting, if you create five jobs in your organization, you create another 20 jobs indirect because your new staff will need housing, will need healthcare, right. will need education. So you're building local economic autonomy and resiliency, which in COVID disruption time is highly interested. Right. Because these are resilient things. So that's the first story. The second is one we did for WWF headquarters in Zurich, in uh, Switzerland. Sorry. They were about to uh, improve uh, what, how they perform monitoring, reporting, and verification on reforestation projects. And their assumption was, it's a manual process. We can improve it using AI, drones, and satellite imagery. But their option was, start from scratch with university and start you know, writing the first piece of code to pilot the drone. And I had a discussion with the CEO of the WWF and he told me, maybe we should, you should need to talk to the team. So we talked to the team. Uh, they told us about the specific challenge they were to solve. And in three weeks time, we identified a dozen companies around the world with existing proven technology, which five of them combined together gives the ability to do satellite imagery, drone imagery, altering vehicle imagery, AI machine learning based visual recognition and CO2, CO2 calculation. And literally, they can start implementing that solution in four weeks instead of being still writing the piece of code, because guess what? It has to be invented here. Right. So, so I guess what you're, uh, the, the, one of the main values, and may, maybe put in different world, words, you're actually um, deal flow, and you're finding deal flow for organizations um, and, and it may be that you're, you can basically say you're a virtual accelerator. You're actually taking 
you're, you're actually taking um, technologies that already exist and matching them with the right or, or organizations that, can, that have a real need. Um, and you are making a big difference. It's unleashing the potential on many levels. Yes, we're unleashing the potential of the solution owners from around the world. That one thing is very clear is uh, we, are, we operate under a subscription-based revenue model. So our clients, and they can be large, and we cater for medium and small because we want to impact positively impact 800 million lives by 2030. And the way to do it is that if we're able to cater and serve companies of any size, and the way that you do it is a subscription for each year, depending on your level of ambition, your fee you pay us allows you to do a certain number of challenges per year with our help. But we don't ask the solution owners to pay, to be honest, we scan for them and we vet them when we think they're a good match to the problem that they have. But in doing so, for those companies which are around the world, we're unleashing their potential because if we have a solution that comes from Santiago de Chile, well, chances are they're in Chile already and probably Argentina and Brazil, which is an awesome feat. So I've created two consulting innovation boutiques and a fintech, and I know how hard it is when you're a small, medium company to actually sell your product or services in an external market. It usually is $200,000 of operating expense to have somebody on site. So if you're, if you're in Chile and you want to go into Canada, into France, and into Singapore, that's $600,000 every year. Can you afford it as a small, medium business? Probably no. So in that way, we're virtually accelerating their go-to-market because we're tapping into them when we think they're a match for an existing problem for which your clients want to have a solution right now. And therefore, yeah. we're also accelerating the impact. Yeah, because I because I read this stat that forty seven percent of companies and accelerators, as startups and pre pre revenue, are there, but they're really trying to find a problem to solve. So you're actually bringing the problems to solve with, um, like, I mean, you're you're a great matchmaker uh, with we're, this solution. Somebody trying to ask us, so what if we were to do an and the Hollywood pitch of it, what would it be? And say, so, well. We're in Tinder for sustainability in that respect. So we're, so we're the matchmakers. However, we, when we do the Tinder, it's robust proven solutions. So we're not looking at startups that are still in infancy. We're looking at companies which have a technological readiness level of seven and plus, usually eight or nine at a sweet spot. The reason is that the task that the clients ask us to solve is find an immediately operational solution. So if it's still in development, we will not even look at the solution right now. Having said that, we're still, we do know that there are fantastic companies which have got amazing potential and breakthroughs, and the, the technology is just not robust enough yet. For those ones, and they have to be, not to be copycats, but true breakthroughs, we would keep touch uh, with them because we want to find out where their solution is ready to scale. I'll give you an example. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but microplastic is a huge issue. Yeah. And, and currently, there's no physical way to do it. So we, we did a massive scan around the world for a large French cosmetic company, and we've identified 10 solutions. Most of them are under the TRL7 threshold. They're just below. But one of them, just as an example, is, was created by a, an Irish student of 19 years old called Fionn Forera, and he created a ferrofluid, which is basically kind of a mix between magnetic and, and, and oil and jelly, and you put that into the, the, uh, the seawater, and you, you, you tumble it, 
and then the microplastic aggregates around the jelly and obviously because there's you know, ferret in there you put a magnet and you can take it up which is a brilliant solution but it's not industry grade yet so because it's a brilliant solution with highly potential breakthrough so unleashing that potential would be fantastic we want to keep track of how they're doing because if we can support the last mile getting them to that industry grade we know that we can positively impact with a fantastic unleashed potential solution and that is so amazing great oh yeah this is very very exciting i mean that's a big problem uh, that's a big problem they so okay so if i'm um, a large enterprise and and you know now I think that there's a lot more pressure on me, uh, specifically since, you know, we've had this cultural change of listening to science first and, uh, you know, and, and look at the outcome. And, it's, and we're actually, you know, being safer because we're starting to listen. And I think the future is uh, with climate change and the environment, scientists will have a bigger um, play and will be supporting companies like yours. So in, 18 months, uh, what are some of the key things that you uh, want to achieve, one or two? And uh, how do people get in touch with you? So what we want to do, is, so what we want to do in the next 18 months is uh, we're going to expand uh, the presence we have uh, in terms of number of clients we serve. We already have uh, been serving companies in Canada and in, Fran in France and in Switzerland, and we want to amp up that presence. We want to amp up that capacity to serve companies of any size around the planet. And so we're expanding our network of contacts and of people. So that's one of our objectives is to grow. And the one thing that we'll be, we know that is already companies which are committed, are publicly committed to do better. Uh, there's a, a, a website that, that uh, get them names and we'll be getting to contact with them and hoping that we'll be able to serve as many of them as possible because as of this day we still have nine years six months and 12 days to reach 21st of jan 2030 so for us time is of the essence so to to, to your first question our objective is to have the greatest impact possible in the next 18 months as we can leveraging as an exponential organization or our external assets our SMEs, our contact in order to help as many companies roll out existing proven solutions that we can have a faster to impact for, for them. To the second question, how can people uh, reach out to us? Well, you know, I can be reached out on LinkedIn. My, you know, I'm Bernard Lebel, L-E-B-E-L-L-E. -E -L -L -E. I know it's, uh, it's not an, it's an unusual French name because I'm from France originally, but this is one of the way that you can find us. Uh, another way would be to go on our website. It's www.thegreenlink.co. And then you've got all our, our, our team, you've got the, uh, the, what we, we, we stand for, and you've got ways of contacting us. So you've got a solution owner, we've got a form for you. If you're somebody that wants to kickstart the journey and have a project in mind, you can contact us like that. And these are the two ways you can get into contact with us. Uh, and we, we usually put on our LinkedIn website uh, news about all the, the, the things that we do or things that we've seen, um, and that's the best way to keep track of us. That's amazing. Well, I really wanna thank you Bernard, um, I mean, the greenlink.co is uh, a great, um, it's, a, it's a great trademark and it's a great company and um, it's going to make a big difference. And I just want you to uh, know that you have uh, a lot of support and to any of the other viewers that are either listening to this to on, on our podcast or watching the YouTube channel, uh, please reach out to Bernard uh, for your environmental responsibility uh, goals and objectives. 
And I just want to say thank you and be safe. Thank you, Rob. Talk soon. Stay safe and talk soon. Thank you for joining our show today. I hope you will join us for our next episode. And please subscribe to our podcast and our YouTube channel, R. Barlow. If you wish to be part of the show, contact me at robbarlow at gmail.com. R-O-B-B-A-R-L-O at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show.